Is it time for a mind shift? If you don't know what that means, then join your host, Dr. Clint Haycock, a former evangelical Christian pastor and Bible college teacher of over 20 years, along the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, life, religion, and spirituality. is QAnon? Is it a cult? And if it is a cult, does it represent any sort of danger to America and indeed the wider world? Ever since the COVID-19 lockdowns within the last year or so, we've begun to see QAnon popping up more and more. Most clearly, its influence has been seen at Trump campaign rallies in the run-up to the election, at pro-Trump demonstrations and rallies, or Save the Children marches organized in various U.S. cities in 2020. At those events, we've seen Trump supporters waving banners, flags, or placards bearing a giant letter Q with an American flag background. They proudly wear shirts, hats, and hoodies emblazoned with slogans such as We Are Q or just the letter Q or with the cryptic slogan WWG1WGA on it. And more recently, QAnon supporters have started making inroads into the Republican Party with the nomination of Joe Ray Perkins in Oregon, Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia, and Lauren Boebert in Colorado. Up to this point, however, it seemed like perhaps a harmless movement on the Trump lunatic fringe. Weird, perhaps, but certainly not dangerous. But all that changed recently. What has brought QAnon even more sharply into focus were the shocking events at the Capitol riots in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, the 6th of January, 2021, which was preceded by some pro-Trump events in the days leading up to the riot. There were marches and rallies held by a variety of groups on both the Tuesday and the Wednesday, the 5th and the 6th, including the Jericho March, which, according to an article appearing in Christianity Today shortly before the riots, called on, quote, patriots, people of faith, and all those who want to take back America to travel to Washington on those days for a pair of marches to overturn the recent presidential election, end quote. What was so striking about both the many rallies and demonstrations leading up to the riots, as well as the storming of the Capitol by an angry, violent mob of Trumpists and far-right militia groups, were the multiple prominent displays of people wearing QAnon-branded shirts and hoodies, signs, flags, and banners with QAnon slogans emblazoned on them that were seen all over both the various rallies beforehand, as well as the riot itself on the 6th of January. A couple of people present at the riots truly stood out from the crowd. First, one 33-year-old Jake Angeli, whose actual name is Jacob Anthony Chansley, who also goes by the moniker of the Q Shaman. Angeli, whose picture had gone viral all over the media, was hard to miss. Wearing a prominent bearskin headdress complete with Viking horns, Angeli carried a spear with an American flag on it. In addition to his American flag-colored face paint, he also went shirtless, prominently displaying tattoos that some have deemed to be Nordic or white supremacist in nature. He was also photographed carrying a placard. One side read, Hold the line, patriots, God wins. The other side read, Q sent me. In the months beforehand, Angeli had been spotted at a great many Trump rallies and related events where he stood out due to his exotic outfit. According to the BBC, quote, In videos posted to his social media accounts, He shouts about child trafficking in front of government buildings or inside shopping malls and attends pro-Trump or QAnon-linked Save Our Children rallies. Like many of his fellow QAnon followers, 
Mr. Chansley says he believes COVID-19 is a hoax, end quote. A second striking image from the rally was of a certain Doug Jensen, 41, from Des Moines, Iowa. In a video since gone viral, Jensen, who was wearing a hoodie with a giant Q emblazoned on it, along with the words, trust the plan, chases a lone African-American police officer up the Capitol stairwell with a mob at his back. Again, according to the BBC, quote, on his Twitter, Mr. Jensen regularly expresses support for President Trump, engages with well-known QAnon accounts, and tweets QAnon phrases such as WWG1WGA, short for where we go one, we go all, a rallying cry for the conspiracy's adherents, end quote. And once you become familiar with the insider jargon that QAnon adherents use regularly, you can begin to flag up people who have clearly bought into its conspiracy theories. As a third example from the riots, consider one of the protesters who was shot and killed by police at the riot, 35-year-old U.S. Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt from San Diego. Investigators have gone back and scoured her social media feeds, focusing in particular on her Twitter account. The last several months reveal a woman who was not only a rabid Trump supporter and believer in his lies about the election fraud, she had also bought deeply into the QAnon world of conspiracy theories. In an article in The Guardian dated the 9th of January, Lois Beckett and Vivian Ho comment, quote, Babbitt's Twitter account shows a woman deeply engaged for months with a conspiracy theory that painted Democratic lawmakers as evil pedophiles and then persuaded and infuriated by Trump and his allies' lies about election fraud. And they go on. They say, for weeks before she joined the mob in Washington, Babbitt had been retweeting false claims from Trump himself, as well as the pro-Trump lawyers Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell, alleging massive voter fraud and asserting that Trump had won the 2020 elections. And they conclude, many of Babbitt's tweets, according to extremism experts, also marked her as a believer in QAnon, a conspiracy theory that claims Donald Trump has been trying to save the world from a cabal of satanic pedophiles, including Democratic politicians like Biden and Hollywood celebrities, and that he will soon bring his enemies to justice, end quote. This may be overstating the case a bit, but let me just include a fourth and final example of QAnon's involvement with the Capitol riots. This last one involves a high school occupational therapist from Cleveland, Ohio. One picture that went viral from the riots was of 49-year-old Christine Priola, who was photographed alongside another rioter holding up her mobile phone to show him something as he sat on the central dais of the Capitol building where the vice president normally sits. Wearing a bright red coat and Make America Great Again leggings, she carried a sign with her that read, The Children Cry Out for Justice. This sign is an instant tip that she is in the QAnon universe. She was later arrested by the FBI a few days after the riots after being identified on social media. But there's even more to the story that reveals her connections to QAnon. According to an article by Bridget Reed in The Cut, dated the 14th of January, quote, Priola apparently resigned from her Cleveland school's position on January 7 when her identity became known in the wake of the riots. In a colorfully disturbing resignation letter, Priola reportedly listed several reasons for quitting, including that she was refusing to get a COVID-19 vaccine, that she will, in her words, be switching paths to expose the global evil of human trafficking and pedophilia, including in our government and children's service agencies, and she goes on, and that she does not agree with paying her teachers' union dues, again in Priola's words, which help fund people and groups that support the killing of unborn children, end quote. Although numerous more examples could be given of the role of QAnon in the Capitol riots, it's certainly disturbing, to say the least, 
As I'll discuss later, we have seen adherents of QAnon cross the line into actual real-world violence. However, this was the first time we have seen a massive organized mob galvanized into action, a great many of whom were motivated by their beliefs in QAnon, Trump's conspiracy theories about the election, and other various conspiracies and subplots that are part of the Q universe. So, what in the world is going on? In this bonus episode, I will take a deep dive into the cult psychology of QAnon, explaining not only its origins, but I'll also take a look at both the cult psychology at play, as well as taking a look at the actual real-world effects that Beliefs in Q has had on real-life people and their relationships with friends, family members, and loved ones. As we've seen, QAnon adherents like Ashley Babbitt had bought into the conspiracy theory so much that this seemingly normal military veteran flew all the way from San Diego to Washington, D.C. and ended up losing her life in the process of taking part in an insurrection. When we come back from the break, we'll start by taking a closer look at what exactly QAnon is, what role Donald Trump played in it and may still play, and why exactly I think it is a dangerous and destructive cult. Alright, you're going to have to buckle yourself in. This is going to be a very long and very intensive episode. I've done a lot of research over the last several months on QAnon. I've also done an episode with Chris Shelton a few months back. If you want to go listen to that as well, we talk about some of this. But this episode gets way, way more into it, especially in light of the Capitol riots. The role that QAnon played in that, as well as any future upcoming violence that we might see on or around Inauguration Day or even afterwards as they attempt to swear Joe Biden in as the 46th president of the United States. Trumpism is certainly not going away after he leaves office and QAnon, as we're going to see, has played a very, very important role in Trumpism as well as going forward. I just wanted to mention really quickly before we get into this episode on QAnon, a thank you to the latest Patreon supporters of this show. Thank you to Cheryl Grindle and Rosalie for being $10 a month supporters of the show. I'm in the process of sending them a nice Mindship Podcast t-shirt, as well as Abby Welch, a $5 a month supporter of the show. As soon as I get them, I'm going to be sending Abby a nice little gift from North Wales, something you can only get here. So thank you to all those people who supported the show in January. We had a lot of new Patreon supporters, and I'm really, really grateful for that. What do you get for being a supporter of this show on Patreon? Well, it helps me to cover my expenses every month, but what you get is you get to be part of our Closed Mindshift Podcast Facebook group, which is a very supportive community of people who have left religion behind, and we're here to help each other discuss and talk about really important and interesting topics around that. But we also do our Closed Mindship Podcast Zoom calls. Now we're doing two a month. We just had one yesterday as I'm doing this recording with Jared Yates Sexton of the Muckrake Podcast. That was absolutely fantastic. At some point, I will put that up on the Mindship Podcast Facebook page. But you get to be a part of those calls live next Sunday, the 24th of January. We're going to have Rebecca Drumsa drop in. So that's our second call this month. And then in February, we've already got two calls booked. We're going to have Dean Crow sets of the People I Meet podcast, as well as Seven, the rapper from Jacksonville, Florida that I talked to a few weeks ago. So those are the two calls in February. And I'm also looking at booking someone for March as well. So this is already starting to fill up. So fantastic benefits that you get for being a Patreon supporter of the show. All right, let's go on into this issue of the cult psychology of QAnon, Donald Trump's role in it. What exactly is it and how does it all work? 
Back in August of 2020, a reporter asked President Donald Trump at a White House press conference whether or not he supported QAnon and its followers. And this was in reference to the violence around Black Lives Matters protests in places like Portland, Oregon. For someone who claimed a great deal of ignorance about QAnon, Donald Trump still gave one of his typically narcissistic, famously vague, but open to interpretation answers. He said, quote, Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, which I appreciate, but I don't know much about the movement. I have heard, though, that it's gaining in popularity. And he went on to say, I've heard that these are people who love our country and they just don't like seeing it, referring to violence in various U.S. cities. He concluded, so I don't know anything about it other than they do supposedly like me, end quote. The reporter went on to press Trump about his involvement with QAnon and ask a follow-up question. She said, quote, the crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you're behind? To which Trump replied, well, I haven't heard that, but is that supposed to be a good thing or a bad thing? If I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. We're saving the world from a radical left philosophy that will destroy this country. And when this country is gone, the rest of the world would follow. End quote. Moreover, at a presidential debate held on October 16, 2020, host Savannah Guthrie asked Trump if he would disavow QAnon, denouncing it as a crazy theory that simply wasn't true. Trump refused to denounce it, saying, quote, I don't know about QAnon, end quote. Guthrie wouldn't accept that, charging that he, in fact, did know quite a bit about it. She pointed out that QAnon had been both widely covered in the mainstream media and that also a great number of his supporters were QAnon adherents. Trump's reply, he said, quote, What I do hear about it, they are very strongly against pedophilia, end quote. Not exactly a ringing denunciation of an unhinged conspiracy theory. As Guthrie noted, Trump clearly knows a lot more about QAnon than he might care to admit. For example, back when he still had a Twitter account, that is, Trump had retweeted or amplified QAnon-related tweets over 200 times in the last few years. According to The Guardian, Guthrie later, quote, asked Trump why he had retweeted a QAnon Twitter account which claimed, baselessly, that Joe Biden had had a Navy SEAL team killed. That was a retweet. People can decide for themselves, Trump said. Guthrie responded, I don't get that. You're the president, not someone's crazy uncle, end quote. Within hours of the debate, however, QAnon adherents registered the statements by Trump as an endorsement of their movement. Clearly then, as demonstrated by both the Capitol riots and the tacit endorsement by Trump over the years, the conspiracist-in-chief himself, this movement is growing quickly, spreading online worldwide like a cancer. In addition, as we'll see, it's growing quickly among mainstream evangelical Christians too, much to the concern of individual pastors and denominations alike. The connections between Trumpism, evangelical involvement in politics, and QAnon conspiracy theories need to be explored in much greater detail because clearly all of these elements and more played a part in the Capitol riots. Let's take a deep dive into the cult of QAnon unpacking it and analyzing it from a cult psychology point of view in order to understand it better. The aim, therefore, is not only to educate and prevent, but perhaps if you have a friend, family member, or loved one who has been sucked into the cult of QAnon, this episode may help you talk them back into the world of reality and out of the bizarre conspiracy theories of QAnon. So what exactly is QAnon? 
QAnon, which is shorthand for Q Anonymous since most of its members want to remain covert, is an ever-growing internet conspiracy theory aided and spread largely by mainstream social media platforms such as TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube videos, chat rooms, ebooks, blogs, and websites, but mostly through far-right sites like 4chan, the now-deleted 8chan, and now 8kun, before Apple, Google, and Amazon pulled the plug on it on the 11th of January 2021, the social media app Parler was one of the fastest growing platforms spreading QAnon conspiracy theories. Parler was an almost completely unregulated platform where members could engage in the wildest of conspiracy theories unchecked. For example, after the election in November of 2020, whereas the mainstream media ran stories of a Biden-Harris victory, according to an article in The Conversation, Quote, on Parler, Trump won in a landslide, only to have his victory stolen by a wide-ranging alliance of evildoers, including Democrats and the so-called Deep State. But along with its success came the reality that extremist movements like QAnon and the Boogalooers thrived on the, in the platform's unregulated chaos, end quote. But now that Parler has been shut down, what are the QAnon Trumpists supposed to do? Well, it seems like ever since it was taken offline, hundreds of thousands of ex-Parler subscribers have now headed over to conspiracy theory-friendly sites such as Telegram, The Donald, and Gab. Now, Gab was temporarily banned after the 2018 mass shooting at a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Shooter Robert Bowers had been posting anti-Semitic messages on Gab beforehand, which ended up resulting in its removal. Now, however, it is back, and ex-Parler members are rushing over to sign up. According to The Conversation, quote, Gab has since come back online and reportedly has gained hundreds of thousands of new users since Parler's shutdown, end quote. In addition to social media platforms spreading lies and conspiracy theories, in addition, news outfits such as One America News Network, otherwise known as OANN, Newsmax, Breitbart, and Fox News have also spread elements of the conspiracy theory. Mike Lindell, better known as the My Pillow Guy, has also pushed QAnon beliefs as well as Trumpian conspiracies. He's also part owner of a YouTube news network called Right Side Broadcasting Network, which has also spread Trump's conspiracy theories. They've also had as guests unhinged lawyers Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell, both of whom he is reportedly very close with. He was seen recently entering the White House for a meeting with Donald Trump, where he claimed to be bringing evidence of voter fraud. He was spotted by an eagle-eyed Washington Post cameraman carrying a piece of paper with notes on it, one of which stated, martial law if necessary. In the last year or two, QAnon has moved into the mainstream with the help of influencers such as Alex Jones, of course Donald Trump, who is referred to in QAnon code words as Q+, Jerome Corsi and Sean Hannity, among others. It's also making serious inroads into the Republican Party and, as I mentioned, the Evangelical Church in America. Influencers such as Pastor Greg Locke and Seven Mountains Mandate Dominion Theology proponent Johnny Enlow, for example, have all made numerous appearances on their own YouTube channels, various right-wing news shows, or at pro-Trump political rallies promoting elements of QAnon conspiracy theories. And in fact, this is something that Peter Montgomery and I talked about in our latest episode on YouTube. I played some clips of Pastor Greg Locke cons promoting some of these conspiracy theories. So head over to my Mindship Podcast YouTube channel and uh, you can subscribe there and watch that video as we broke down Pastor Greg Locke and some of his 
crazy conspiracy theories. Getting back to QAnon, Adrian LaFrance of The Atlantic traces out the context of the conspiracy theory of QAnon when she says, quote, In its broadest contours, the QAnon belief system looks something like this. Q is an intelligence or military insider with proof that corrupt world leaders are secretly torturing children all over the world. The malefactors are embedded in the deep state. Donald Trump is working tirelessly to thwart them. These people need to all be eliminated, Hugh wrote in one post. The eventual destruction, she says, of the global cabal is imminent, Q prophesies, but can be accomplished only with the support of patriots who search for meaning in Q's clues. To believe Q requires rejecting mainstream institutions, ignoring government officials, battling apostates, and despising the press, end quote. One interesting and immediate connection in what LaFrance stated about QAnon is the keyword patriots. Many of the Trump-supporting rioters on the 6th of January, for example, referred to themselves as patriots, who are somehow trying to take their country back. Even Ivanka Trump got in on the action, tweeting out on the 6th of January during the riots. She said, quote, American patriots, any security breach or disrespect to our law enforcement is unacceptable. The violence must stop immediately. Please be peaceful, end quote. Following a near instantaneous social media outcry and backlash, Ivanka Trump quickly deleted the tweet, but the damage had been done. After a slightly less incendiary tweet by Donald Trump Jr., who at least condemned the violence, Chelsea Richel of The Independent noted that, quote, the condemnation by the president's son was followed shortly by a tweet from Mr. Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who used Ms. Trump's language and referred to the rioters as patriots while assuring them that they are on the right side of history, end quote. I'm sure that a great many of the rioters, fueled by righteous anger over the allegedly stolen and fraudulent election and egged on by their QAnon fantasies about the storm and the Great Awakening, truly saw themselves as American patriots. They were going to help bring it about. They so clearly needed to stand up for their constitutional rights and help Trump to reverse the election results that he, of course, rightly won by a landslide. Returning to this issue of defining QAnon, Julia Carey Wong, in an article in The Guardian, helpfully describes the movement as follows, quote, QAnon is a baseless internet conspiracy theory whose followers believe that a cabal of Satan-worshipping Democrats, Hollywood celebrities, and billionaires runs the world while engaging in pedophilia, human trafficking, and the harvesting of a supposedly life-extending chemical from the blood of abused children. She concludes, QAnon followers believe that Donald Trump is waging a secret battle against this cabal and its deep state collaborators to expose the malefactors and send them all to Guantanamo Bay, end quote. So what's at the core of QAnon? Let's take a look at this. At the heart of the QAnon conspiracy theory, which essentially grew out of the original Pizzagate conspiracy theory about a year before Q's first drop, which I'll discuss a bit more in a minute in detail, the core of it is as follows. There are corporations or CEOs, highly placed government officials, Democrats obviously, Hollywood celebrities, and mega wealthy individuals who form an evil global cabal. This cabal is noteworthy because it is both a Satan-worshipping pedophile and child sex trafficking ring, all of which starts to sound awfully familiar. There are a great many parallels and overlaps between QAnon's core beliefs and the so-called Satanic Panic that swept both America and evangelical churches back in the 1980s. And I'll just say really quickly that 
Parcast, the Colts podcast, has done a really good uh, series on the Satanic Panic. If you're like me, I grew up in the 80s in America. I remember a lot of this sweeping uh, the evangelical churches. So check out the Satanic Panic series on the Parcast Network. But during the Trump presidency, the good news for Q adherence was that all during his tenure, Trump was apparently working hard to bring all these evildoers down, as I mentioned, and will one day bring the wrongdoers all to justice. This is a future apocalyptic event known as the Storm, or the Great Awakening. Abby Olheiser of Technology Review explains it as follows. She says, quote, The tenets of QAnon are specific that Trump is the chosen one to finally destroy a ring of satanic pedophiles long protected by access to elite positions of authority, and that Q will provide the clues to lead followers to the truth. But the movement has mingled with so many other conspiracist causes and ideologies that it is now possible to be a carrier of QAnon content online without actually knowing what you're spreading, end quote. In other words, buying into one conspiracy theory, such as Pizzagate, often leads followers to embrace other mysteriously connected theories. The QAnon conspiracy theory holds that, in addition to children being sexually abused and trafficked by these powerful and untouchable predators, what makes it far worse is that these mega-wealthy elites involved in the secretive cabal are utterly untouchable. They have so far operated with impunity because they're completely above the law, apparently having zero fear of reprisals for their evil actions because they're just that powerful and connected. And what's even more horrific than the alleged child sexual abuse and sex trafficking, according to Jane Coaston of Vox, is the murder of abused children to harvest a life-giving substance. She says, quote, Not only are celebrities taking part in satanic pedophilic rituals, they are doing so to obtain the chemical adrenochrome, which they believe famous actors and celebrities harvest from the pituitary glands of children in order to maintain their youthful appearances, end quote. Google searches of adrenochrome harvesting, for example, spiked during the first few months of the COVID-19 outbreak in the United States. The fact is that during the months of lockdown, people had both the time and the space to investigate the conspiracy in more detail. Its linkages to COVID-19 plandemic or hoax conspiracy theories are legion also. But by focusing exclusively on the issue of child abuse and child sex trafficking, both real and insidious dangers worldwide, QAnon adherents are latching onto a very real problem that absolutely does pose a huge threat to vulnerable children. But the fact that child abuse and sex trafficking is in fact a real thing only feeds into their argument and makes it seem plausible. Basically, their logic is as follows. They would say, well, look, everybody agrees that child abuse and sex trafficking are horrible and evil, right? So, of course, if you're against us, as we talk about it and fight it by shedding light on it, you stand for child abuse. There's a very close connection to their support of Trump also. According to Julian Field of the Right Wing Watch, Quote, adherents of the QAnon conspiracy theory imagine Trump as a savior figure and often equate criticism of the president with support for pedophilia and infanticide, end quote. And there was something else that helps fuel this line of argumentation. It seemingly lent credence to the core of the QAnon conspiracy theory. This, of course, was the high-profile arrest of convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, along with his subsequently suspiciously convenient death in a New York prison. 
Now, inside the world of QAnon, numerous conspiracies swirl around his murder, or perhaps they think he faked his own death and is now back to living on his own private island. That he was clearly connected to such powerful elite figures such as Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, Donald Trump, Kevin Spacey, and many others, as well as being a convicted pedophile and child sex trafficker to wealthy and powerful elites, only adds fuel to the fire. But what about his connections to Trump? Was Donald Trump part of Epstein's sex trafficking ring as a willing participant? Rumors are ripe that he was indeed quite close to Epstein for many years and shared an interest in, let's say, extremely young, beautiful women. But QAnon followers posit that absolutely no, Trump was not part of Epstein's child trafficking operation. He was actually investigating Epstein all those years ago in preparation for bringing him down. Trump is clearly unconnected to any wrongdoing based on his association with Epstein, they would argue. Moreover, speculation is rife that Epstein's associate, Jelaine Maxwell, won't survive her time in prison before she, just like Epstein, is also murdered in order to silence her from speaking the truth about the cabal and its connections to the pedophilia rings in which Epstein was allegedly a major player. And as we've seen in the recent Capitol riots, one major problem we're facing is that QAnon's conspiracy theories have led to real-world violence. There have been numerous cases of adherents assaulting others directly related to their beliefs in QAnon conspiracy theories. In response to these outbreaks of violence, the FBI has labeled the group a domestic terrorist threat. Examples of these real-world violence include the following examples. First, the 2016 shooting up of the Comet Ping Pong in Washington, D.C. by one Edgar Madison Welch as he investigated the establishment in connection to the Pizzagate theory. Second, in 2018, a California man was arrested, found with bomb-making materials, and a plan to blow up the Illinois Capitol building, all with the aim of, quote, to make Americans aware of Pizzagate, end quote. That's what he said. Another example, third, a Nevada man, and of course a QAnon follower, was arrested in 2018 after blocking the Hoover Dam with an armored truck. His purpose was to demand the release of the IG report on Hillary Clinton's emails. As a fourth and final example, one Cecilia Fulbright of Austin, Texas, used her car to chase two vehicles, ending up with her ramming the second one repeatedly in a parking lot. What was her aim? To save the children from pedophiles and infanticide, she said, a belief that was fueled by her adherence to QAnon. Well, why haven't social media sites closed down Q and QAnon from spreading? Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, one major way QAnon is spread is through internet conspiracy sites like 4chan and 8chan. 8chan became infamous for promoting QAnon and other conspiracy theories, as well as effectively functioning as a terrorist recruiting platform. It was deleted after the El Paso mass shooting in August of 2019, after the shooter posted his manifesto there just prior to carrying out the attack. The Christchurch, New Zealand and Poway, California shooters also used it to spread hate speech there. Despite 8chan being deleted by its hosts, however, it popped back up in November of 2018, rebranded as 8kun. While some social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and TikTok have sought to restrict, ban, or delete QAnon-supporting accounts, it's a bit like playing whack-a-mole or cutting the head off Hydra. As soon as one account or page gets deleted or banned, a number immediately pop back up elsewhere. 
adherents of QAnon will make use of workarounds to avoid being banned, such as using code words like 17, a reference to Q being the 17th letter of the alphabet, rather than just using Q or QAnon explicitly. And as I was mentioning earlier in the show, what with the sudden and unprecedented shutdown of the social media app Parler, for example, QAnon followers who want to stay in touch with each other have moved over to such unregulated platforms like Telegram, Gab, or The Donald. This allows them to continue spreading their messages about future planned insurrections at other state capitals, mobile phone and communications blackouts that they believe the government's going to enact to try and silence their ability to communicate with each other, which is, incidentally, why you should disable all future cell or mobile phone updates. That way, they say, the government can't track you, according to them. All this and more. And they're doing so now via shared text messages or email chains outside of these social media networks. The major problem with seeking to halt the spread of QAnon, according to executive editor Adrian LaFrance of The Atlantic on a recent NPR Fresh Air podcast, is this. The social internet is built and architected for emotional snap responses without thinking. She comments, Quote, and so we have an internet that's designed for the spread of conspiracy theories. I mean, you couldn't build a better system to do this. And so, you know, you look at the scale of these platforms, you have 2 billion Facebook users. Solving this kind of problem is genuinely complex at a scale that we've never encountered in human history. It's an entirely new information environment for all of us. And you know, I honestly think that the way we fix it is by building a new kind of internet, end quote. Whether or not that is even possible, of course, remains to be seen, but I honestly think that, for now, banning the spread of QAnon online completely is not going to happen, despite all efforts to the contrary, primarily due to the structure of the social internet. When we return from the break, we'll take a deep dive into the core of QAnon itself. Who exactly is Q? How does the whole thing work? And what are some of the various effects that believe in the cult of QAnon can have on relationships with friends, family members, co-workers, and loved ones? Okay, before we get back into it, I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about what's coming up here in the next few episodes on MindShift Podcast. We've got some really fantastic stuff in the pipeline. The next actual episode that's going to drop is going to be one featuring Janine Puckett. She and I had a great conversation a while ago talking about her backstory coming out of very charismatic, the whole prophetic, new apostolic reformation kind of churches being a part of Dutch Sheets Church, and I've talked about him in some of my episodes on the failed Trump prophecies, so that is a fantastic episode coming up. I also had a really good recording the other day with Thomas Hanna, who's an ex-pastor out of Tampa Bay, Florida. He's a, now a therapist, and he deals a lot with religious trauma syndrome. We had a really good discussion, primarily talked a lot about both of us being ex-pastors and what it's like to be in the ministry and how that can lead to burnout and all sorts of things that you have to deal with later after you walk away from it all. So that's coming up as well. Also, I'm talking to the guys from the Seeking Health podcast tomorrow night as we do this recording. So I've got a lot of stuff scheduled in the pipeline. I'm going to be talking with Dr. Yanya Lalich, 
Dr. Terry Daniel. Some just fantastic episodes coming up. I've also done a recording with Mark Potok. He used to work for the Southern Poverty Law Center. We did a recording on Doug Wilson, the Reconstructionist pastor out of Moscow, Idaho. That's going to be one of the first episodes, if not the first, in my new series, Profiles of the Christian Right. As I mentioned before, you can also head over to my YouTube channel and check out the latest discussion that I did with Peter Montgomery of the Right Wing Watch. We're trying to do these at least once a month. I've also got a call scheduled with Mark Potok again, and we're going to be talking about white supremacy and how that's infiltrating into the evangelical church in America. So look for that coming up on the YouTube channel. If you subscribe on the YouTube channel, you won't miss any new content, and all my podcasts get posted on there as well, so you can do it on YouTube. You can listen to those as well. So let's get on back into this episode with QAnon. I just wanted to say, yes, again, there's some fantastic stuff coming down the pipeline. So look for that. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get on back into taking a deep dive and looking at the cult psychology of QAnon. Who is Q? We're going to find out where this thing came from and what it's all about as we continue this deep dive into the cult psychology of QAnon. Before we take a look at the actual origins of QAnon and who is Q, we need to look at this issue of the subplots. There's a great many subplots or sub-conspiracy theories within the larger QAnon universe about the deep state and how Trump is battling both them and their child satanic sex trafficking pedophilic scheme. Catherine Olmsted, a history professor who studies conspiracy theories at the University of California, Davis, states, quote, Conspiracy theorists have always managed to spread their theories in the past, but the internet has made this much easier. If you believe in one, you believe in another. You start collecting them. End quote. Pizzagate, as I mentioned, is probably the biggest one. That the secret cabal of leaders within the conspiracy are running a sex trafficking or child abuse pedophile ring out of the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C., According to Julia Wong in that article I talked about earlier from The Guardian, she says that, quote, Pizzagate involved the baseless idea that references to food in a popular Washington, D.C. pizza restaurant in the stolen emails of Clinton campaign manager John Podesta were actually a secret code for a child trafficking ring, end quote. Pizzagate actually predates the rise of Q and QAnon itself by about a year, as Q's official first post or drop didn't occur till October 2017. Even though it's faded somewhat in its relevance now, the foundational belief has gone on to become the bedrock of the QAnon conspiracy theory system itself. As I mentioned before, the idea that a secret cabal of powerful and untouchable elites is running a secret child sex trafficking and abuse scheme and that Trump is working hard to expose them and bring them all to justice on a great day of reckoning, the Great Awakening followed by the storm. Essentially, as QAnon has grown, it has basically recycled, regurgitated, reinterpreted, and then promoted the core notions of the original Pizzagate theory. QAnon promoters still use the hashtag Pizzagate, so it's still very much a part of the QAnon uh, conspiracy theory universe. Adrian LaFrance of The Atlantic points out that the Pizzagate conspiracy theory, quote, claimed that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring out of Comet Ping Pong. 
The idea originated in October 2016 when WikiLeaks made a public trove of emails stolen from the account of John Podesta, a former White House chief of staff and then the chair of Clinton's presidential campaign. Comet was mentioned repeatedly in exchanges Podesta had with the restaurant's owner, James Alephantis, and others, end quote. Somehow, followers of the theory connected the dots from this trove of hacked emails and somehow concluded that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring out of the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria. Words like pizza and pasta, for example, were interpreted as code words for boys and girls. Cheese Pizza, or CP, somehow equaled child porn. Shortly after the election of Trump, the Pizzagate conspiracy theory truly exploded online, starting with a Reddit subthread and taking root on social media with the hashtag Pizzagate and other hashtags trending. The theory touched off serious harassment of the restaurant and its employees, including multiple death threats, and culminated in a 2016 December shooting by a man who had traveled to the restaurant believing that there were children there in need of rescue. Although the shooter, identified as one Edgar Madison Welch, a devout evangelical Christian incidentally, discharged his weapons inside the restaurant as he investigated the facility for children that were being abused, fortunately no one was killed or injured in the attack. Despite the absolute and total lack of evidence for the Pizzagate conspiracy theory and the fact that it's been debunked and fact-checked numerous times, it still abounds within QAnon, and other DC businesses and restaurants have also been named and targeted by Q followers as being in on the plot. I won't take the time to get into the many other QAnon subplots and other related conspiracy theories, but I'll just mention a few in passing. First, for example, the murder of Democratic Party operative Seth Rich in July of 2016, which closely coincided with the hack and then release of thousands of DNC emails by the Russians on WikiLeaks in an effort to help Trump win the presidency. Rich's unfortunate death later became fodder for the conspiracy theory. The story went that somehow Hillary Clinton had him killed because he was on his way to the FBI to blow the whistle on her corruption as part of the Clinton Foundation. This storyline was added to the Clinton body count conspiracy theory, which was already in circulation. In addition, it was alleged that it was Rich who had hacked the DNC servers and released them to WikiLeaks and not the Russians. There's another one. Second, the beliefs that Black Lives Matters protests are secretly funded by billionaire George Soros and they're secretly a cover for Antifa. A third subplot is the Spygate conspiracy theory. You know, the belief that the uh, Obama administration was secretly spying on the Trump candidacy in order to get dirt on Trump and ruin his chances of being elected in 2016. A fourth example, the JFK Jr.'s 1999 plane crash death was actually faked. You know that? He's secretly working with Trump to wage war on the deep state. While he was slated to reveal himself on the 4th of July of 2019 to be Trump's new VP running mate in 2020, which obviously didn't happen. Some other associated subplots, including the anti-Semitic conspiracy that the Jewish family, the Rothschilds, secretly control all the world's banking and wealth, that children are being sold and sex trafficked through the online furniture giant company Wayfair. Finally, there's also a bunch of stuff around COVID-19, including the following conspiracies that 5G cell phone towers have either caused or contributed to the global spread of COVID-19, 
that the COVID-19 virus is all part of a pandemic or scamdemic designed and released to hurt the global economy or somehow ruin Trump's re-election chances in 2020. And of course, finally, that billionaire Bill Gates is somehow behind it all because he's engineered a microchip that will be implanted in all the vaccines for the purposes of apparently tracking people worldwide. This has been promoted by people such as Roger Stone, a former advisor to Donald Trump, who said in 2020 that Bill Gates and others were using the virus for, quote, microchipping people so that we can tell whether or not you've been tested, end quote. According to a 2020 YouGov poll, 28% of all Americans believe that this is true. Among Republicans, that percentage rises to 44%. All right, let's take a closer look at the cult of QAnon itself. Who exactly is Q? Well, nobody actually knows who Q is. There's been some speculation around about the end of August 2020 that due to an IP address error, Q had been accidentally revealed to be one Jim Watkins, owner-operator of the now-defunct 8chan, which is now 8kun. Some allege that Watkins is working in concert with Russian intelligence in order to make money as a cynical and primary objective, and then as a secondary objective, it was about garnering support for Trump in the run-up to the 2020 election. Perhaps coincidentally, Q made no drops in the months after 8chan was deleted. The drops only reappeared after a new platform was set up, which is 8kun. The main connection between the two, Jim Watkins, the owner of both sites. The fact is, however, nobody truly knows his or her identity. The core and unshakable belief, though, in the QAnon community is this. Q must be a high-level intelligence operative placed deep inside the U.S. government who goes by the name of Q Clearance Patriot, or just Q for short. The Q refers to his or her security clearance level, according to an article in the Rolling Stone. Quote, QAnon is an elaborate conspiracy theory suggesting that an anonymous poster known as Q, so named because of his supposed high level of security clearance in the U.S. government, has been posting messages since fall 2017 attesting to a deep state conspiracy against Trump, orchestrated by his enemies Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, and Barack Obama. QAnon supporters believe that the Robert Mueller investigation is actually a front for an investigation into Trump's enemies, who they believe are engaged in a number of criminal activities, include running down a powerful global pedophile ring. They eagerly wait the storm, or the moment when Q will reveal himself and Trump will arrest all of his enemies and send them to Guantanamo Bay, end quote. So when did the first Q drop actually appear? Well, that article in The Guardian, Julia Wong, she notes that, quote, on 28th October 2017, Q emerged from the primordial swamp of the internet on the message board 4chan with a post in which he confidently asserted that Hillary Clinton's extradition was already in motion and her arrest imminent. In subsequent posts, there have been more than 4,000 so far, Q established his legend as a government insider with top security clearance who knew the truth about the secret struggle for power between Trump and the deep state, end quote. Kostin elaborates a bit further as to the potential identity of Q by noting, quote, the first post from an anonymous user claiming to be a high-level government informant came on October 28th on the 4chan message board front slash poll. The user was nicknamed Q after Q-level security clearance, the energy department equivalent of top secret, end quote.
So what is the storm, as I've been talking about a bit? Well, as I pointed out earlier, allegedly based on his or her elite insider status, Q started out by posting cryptic drops on 4chan in October of 2017. The first Q drop appeared in a 4chan forum entitled Calm Before the Storm. The title of the forum itself was apparently based on a Trump comment during a photo op before a military dinner held on October 5th, 2017. Trump made the statement, quote, maybe it's the calm before the storm, end quote. But when a reporter asked him, what storm, Mr. President? Trump answered cryptically and rather darkly, you'll find out. According to Coaston, the storm theory has been spread by such QAnon influencers as one Travis View. View, quote, a QAnon researcher and co-host of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, told PBS NewsHour earlier in August the storm has become a predicted great mass arrest event in which over 100,000 people from the highest levels of power and entertainment are arrested and face a great day of reckoning, end quote. When Angela Stanton King, a Republican congressional candidate and QAnon adherent, had a tweet retweeted by Trump in August of 2020, she tweeted the next day, quote, The storm is here. In addition, the Texas Republican Party is now selling We Are the Storm merchandise. The Great Awakening will precede the storm in the view of Q and his or her followers. So where does Q post his or her drops? Well, according to Wong, quote, Q switched from posting on 4chan to posting on 8chan in November 2017, went silent for several months after 8chan shut down in August 2019, and eventually re-emerged on a new website established by 8chan's owner, 8kun, end quote. Following these drops, his or her followers will then interpret them and spread them far and wide via blogs, social media, websites, YouTube videos, etc., but how do the faithful know that a drop is really one of Q's? Aha, never fear, there's a way for them to figure it out. Although he or she posts anonymously, Q uses what is called a trip code to distinguish a true Q drop from other anonymous posters, known in the insider jargon as anons. As mentioned, nobody truly knows who Q is. It could be a man, woman, or group of people who are supposedly high-level operatives deeply connected into the American government or intelligence system. Some speculate that the original Q was outed at some point, but others have taken over his or her role, whether it's an individual or a group, and carried on the important work. Now, I want to get into this question of, is QAnon a religion or a cult? What got me to start thinking about this was a comment made by host Dave Davies on an August 20, 2020 NPR Fresh Air podcast in which he interviewed journalist and Atlantic executive editor Adrian LaFrance. The subject of the interview was about an article she had written in a June 2020 edition of The Atlantic entitled The Prophecies of Q. Davies stated to her, he said, quote, You know, as I read about this, it struck me that QAnon in some respects resembles a religious faith, right? People interpret the writings of Q and study them the way some people study scripture. There are a lot of sweeping, big, mythical-sounding stories. Is faith in God a tenant among QAnon followers? End quote. LaFrance answered, she said, quote, It absolutely is. And this was one of the biggest sort of reveals to me over the course of my reporting is, I went in wondering who could possibly believe this stuff. 
to the point that I assumed that there would be a large group of people who knew in their heart of hearts that it was nonsense, that found it interesting or strange or entertaining or almost like a form of role-playing or fan fiction. And she goes on to say, and what I found was actually the opposite, that there's this huge group of what I came to think of as true believers who really have this blind faith in Q, that this foundational text that they interpret through these Q drops, you know, this community that's developed and a savior figure, both in Q and in Donald Trump. And she concludes, she says, and so to me, what we're looking at is not just a conspiracy theory, but really a religious movement, end quote. Let's look at some of the factors that I would say make this a cult or religious movement. First of all, the orientation. Right off the bat, we can see that there's an in-group, out-group orientation going on here. QAnon followers, or the insiders, are in the know about what's really going on in the world, whereas those who don't believe it or argue or push back against it are outsiders who are unenlightened, the enemy, etc. You see a an us-versus-them orientation right off the bat. Another thing is the Messiah complex or the savior figure. Every cult needs a Messiah or a savior. QAnon has Donald Trump as its Messiah. Jane Coaston of Vox points out that QAnon is, quote, an all-encompassing conspiracy theory that has one overarching, and if you're a Trump supporter, hopeful message. Trump is in complete control of everything. And against true evil, he is standing up for all that is good and right, end quote. In addition to this, there is a deep suspicion, if not outright rejection, of the lamestream media and the fake news, which is overwhelmingly anti-Trump. The liberal media has been, as we've seen in Trump's word, they've been called the enemy of the people, peddling fake news and deliberately distorting, if not outright fabricating, fake stories about Trump in an effort to distort the truth and damage his legacy and to spread lies about him. According to QAnon, in reality, Trump was their Messiah figure. He was the light bringer. He was a force for good who was accomplishing incredible things that the media did not want you to know about. Another aspect is sacred science. Robert J. Lifton's category of sacred science seems to fit the adherence view of Q's drops, or breadcrumbs, as NPR's Dave Davies pointed out. Like scripture or any other sacred text within a religion or a faith system, believers eagerly await the next drop, just like divine revelation from above. Then they try to interpret its cryptic and arcane language, just like Christians, for example, learning and reading ancient Hebrew and Greek. Q functions as a divine prophetic figure, leading his or her followers to insight through revelation from above. Through doing the hard work of parsing Q's drops, believers can experience true insights. According to Wong, she says, quote, Q's posts are cryptic and elliptical. They often consist of a long string of leading questions designed to guide readers toward discovering the truth for themselves through research, end quote. As I see it, this is exactly the same type of process of a Christian, a believer who interprets scripture or the writings of a cult leader like L. Ron Hubbard. Another aspect that I think makes it a cult or a religion, it's got its high priests, it's got its spirit guides of the religions. There's a lot of key influencers among the QAnon faithful. We see Jake Angeli, the Q shaman. Just like priests or pastors do in sermons, they interpret and then apply the sacred science of Q drops for the faithful to understand. One of the most influential is a YouTuber named David Hayes, who goes by the handle Praying Medic. An evangelical Christian, Hayes originally started his channel posting videos about spiritual warfare, prayer warrior type of stuff. 
but not long after the first Q drop in 2017, Hayes went all in and became one of the earliest priests or guides within the movement. LaFrance commented about Hayes that, quote, his videos are, you know, he's an interpreter, so he'll post whatever Q has just published, and then he'll sort of walk people through it and help them understand the code words and point them in one direction versus another. Sometimes he'll say, you know, some people are interpreting it as this, when actually we should be thinking about it this way. So he's really one of the QAnon community's most trusted guides in terms of understanding this thing. And she says, he, and he's positioned himself as someone who's sort of like, if you just heard about QAnon, come with me. I'll help get you up to speed, end quote. According to Seth Weinig in a CJR article, Hayes, quote, carefully chronicles all of Q's posts and lays them out in the manner of a media columnist crossed with a Bible study leader. He helpfully explains what punctuation means here, what the original drop meant there, how this post refers back to an earlier dispatch, end quote. Another major QAnon priest is the hugely popular YouTuber who goes by the handle Blessed to Teach, as in number two teach. On a recent live stream YouTube video, he told his followers that the cabal is seeking to infiltrate evangelical pastors and that a lot of megachurches have taken cabal funding. Another major QAnon influencer is one Tracy Diaz, a QAnon evangelist who goes by the new YouTube name Tracy Beans with a Z, who has over 100,000 subscribers to her channel. And there's another interesting aspect to this whole thing that makes me think it's a religion or a cult. Q helps believers make sense of the world. In the same way that religions try to do, the system provides its followers a worldview that seeks to help them interpret what's really going on around them in an often confusing world of media onslaught and societal upheaval. Q also gives the feeling of being in control of a chaotic world. When it comments, he says, quote, QAnon does this in a manner that is startlingly similar to a news-obsessed strain of Christian theology called premillennial dispensationalism, which takes metaphorical passages in the Bible and tries to decode them into both individual prophecies that refer directly to current events, as well as a larger meta-prophecy ending in the rapture of believers to heaven, the coming of the Antichrist, and the Battle of Armageddon, end quote. Tyler Huckabee, in a relevant magazine article, points out that, quote, QAnon provides explanations, however far-fetched, for the seemingly inexplicable. It simplifies the maze of life into a relatively simple narrative. As America grows less religious, conspiracy theories like QAnon can provide a religious sense of peace and meaning, assuring followers that everything is under control, end quote. There's another aspect to this, too, and that is loaded language. Another of Jay Lifton's markers of cults, the use of insider jargon is used exclusively by QAnon followers. Not only does it assist in the in-group, out-group orientation, it provides a feeling of being in the know or on the inside line. QAnon followers refer to Q's drops like believers quote a Bible verse. Also, there's a huge usage of coded language, as I talked about earlier, WWG1, WGA, means where we go one, we go all. Q uses tons of secretive slogans in his Q drops or breadcrumbs that only his or her followers that are aware of and understand. Here's some example. A black hat is a code word for a person who's part of the evil cabal. The castle is the White House. CBTS equals the calm before the storm. Crumbs are clues left by Q. And although there's more that I could talk about, one of the last things 
I think is interesting. A couple of things is that there's a, a real apocalyptic belief system. As I talked about earlier, QAnon adherents believe in the storm, a coming apocalyptic day of reckoning. The Great Awakening will usher in a day of justice in which Trump will arrest all the deep state operatives and Satan-worshipping pedophiles and send them all to prison in Guantanamo Bay. Or worse yet, hang them for treason. Only those who are saved or woke within the QAnon world will be spared from the coming day of reckoning and judgment. This entire belief system, to me, is very much like evangelicals who believe in a coming day of judgment and wrath in which Christ returns to wage war on satanic armies and will consign Satan and his demon, along with all unbelievers, to an eternity of eternal conscious torment in the flames of hell. And another thing, too, that's interesting is that QAnon offers its followers a real sense of community, just like a religion or a cult does. Once a person is fully bought in, he or she feels a sense of acceptance, belonging, and community. It must feel great to be on the inside line of Q-drop breadcrumbs and be able to parse what they mean along with the help of other true believers in the community. Wong notes, for example, that, quote, For close followers of QAnon, the posts, or drops, contain crumbs of intelligence that they bake into proofs. For bakers, QAnon is both a fun hobby and a deadly serious calling. It's kind of a participatory internet scavenger hunt with incredibly high stakes and a ready-made ready community of fellow adherents, end quote. And of course, no cult would be complete without the final of Robert J. Lifton's categories of cult markers, which is, of course, the dispensing of existence. There are those who have become completely enmeshed in the world of QAnon conspiracy theories, they become alienated from friends and family members. They've changed so much that they are literally no longer recognizable. We hear about divorces, losses of relationships. It's unfortunately all too common. Sometimes it's the QAnon adherent who has cut off loved ones once they see that their friend or partner isn't going to come across to their point of view. Many times, just like after a person who experiences a religious conversion, there'll be a major change of personality. The QAnon adherent can become paranoid, isolated, fearful, desperate, and angry as they anticipate the storm coming, organized riots, and the imposition of martial law as society totally breaks down into chaos. Additionally, though, once a person sees the light, they can become a highly annoying evangelist for QAnon. They'll force those close to them to talk about it constantly or will try to get them to watch the latest QAnon videos and talk about them. It will completely consume their lives. They'll put up ranting posts on Facebook. They'll tweet constantly about it. They'll stay up all hours watching videos, chat, chatting with other QAnon followers online, posting on message boards, chat boards, etc. For example, cult expert Rick Ross told Mac LaMarue of Vice that because the whole QAnon phenomenon is rapidly unfolding online with new content coming out all the time that quote it becomes hard to penetrate ross said followers spend all their time watching q material on youtube dialoguing with different people online and being consumed by that world online end quote there have been numerous examples of friends and family relationships irreparably damaged or forever altered negatively because of QAnon. for example one woman told told vices lamaroo quote she said I can't really spend any time with my mother because all she'll want to talk about is Q, and I refuse. We used to go swimming at the lake, go shopping, have lunch, or just talk like a mother and daughter should, but that doesn't happen much anymore. I dread talking to her. I avoid her. I love her and care, but this Q cult crap has driven a wedge that is there even when we don't talk about it, end quote. 
And if you know someone, a friend, a family member, a loved one who has gotten into the cult of QAnon, what that woman said may well resonate with you. There's one last thing I wanted to talk about in this episode as we bring this to a close, and that is QAnon and evangelicals. QAnon is making increasing inroads into American Christianity and evangelicalism. For example, there's even an online church called Omega Kingdom Ministries, OKM, that holds Sunday Zoom calls billed as ecclesia training. Ecclesia is, of course, the Greek word for church or gathering. According to their linked site, homecongregations.org, their goal is to have all Christians unite in prayer, thus combining spiritual warfare together with conspiracy theories. Their site has the following opening statement, written by Gary Holcomb of the Main Strike Force of Prayer Network. It says, quote, To all, we want to write a short declaration that everyone who truly loves and believes in God and Jesus and the power of the kingdom needs to start declaring over America. It is time to stop reading slash hearing slash repeating and complaining about COVID, the shutdown and the pandemic. It is time for the people of God to take action and to take control. I'm not going to waste time talking about all the science. We know masks don't work and that the pandemic is all about the election. Let's just do what Jesus said. Decree and declare that the power of heaven is unleashed, end quote. Now, as if that was not enough, Holcomb displays his conspiracy theorist roots even further when he declares a little bit further down the page in the prayer talking points section that believers should ask God to deliver on the following prayer request. Quote, Lord, please expose and frustrate deep state attempts to use this COVID-19 situation as an excuse to nullify or minimize people's rights as spelled out in our nation's constitution and bill of rights. Frustrate the efforts of some to use the COVID crisis to program or train people to be obedient sheep or use people's ignorance as a means of installing overreaching and tyrannical government, end quote. Holcomb's prayer request ends by asking God to have his Holy Spirit fall on Donald Trump, giving him and his family protection from the following perils, the coronavirus, any attempts by the media to discredit him, attacks by the mainstream media, and basically any and all opposition from any quarter. Incidentally, on the home congregation site, under resources, among other things, there is a link to a QAnon information site, and obviously this was before the election. So it's quite interesting because, of course, Donald Trump did catch coronavirus and he did encounter opposition from many quarters, resulting in him losing the election. Looking at this issue of Christians and conspiracy theories, are Christians more open and accepting of conspiracy theories? Well, I've mentioned this before in other podcasts. Studies have shown that those who hold such beliefs as, for example, young earth creationism, are more susceptible in general to conspiracy theories. For example, the conspiracy theory that the moon landing was faked and so forth. A study performed at the University of Freiburg in Switzerland demonstrated the following belief patterns according to Kimber- Kimberly Hickok of Live Science. She says, quote, When something occurs that's hard to explain, many people say that everything happens for a reason and that the event was meant to be. The thought provides a purpose for what in reality was a random accidental event, end quote. This mentality is what is referred to as teleological thinking, which is demonstrated by young earth creationists as follows. They argue that the earth was created by an omniscient being, God, approximately six to 10,000 years ago and is therefore absolutely not the result of random chance plus time over billions of years, which is, of course, the theory of evolution. 
The study showed the same type of thinking also promotes a belief in conspiracy theories. In other words, the belief that accidents and apparently random, unconnected events don't just occur, they are somehow planned or controlled, potentially by unseen powerful forces. Randomness is rejected in favor of conspiratorial thinking. Therefore, teleological thinking helps adherents make sense of and explain seemingly random events in the world and of history, too. Many journalists have noted that evangelicals are increasingly buying into the QAnon conspiracy theories. For example, on the 5th of July, 2020, footage was leaked on Twitter of a sermon from Rock Urban Church in Granville, Michigan. Prior to getting on stage and speaking, the pastor showed a 12-minute video which was edited down from a larger YouTube video entitled COVID-911 by YouTuber Joe M., the video promotes many QAnon conspiracy theories, obviously COVID-19, how George, George Floyd's murder was actually organized to hurt Trump, and that the Black Lives Matters protests are really a terrorist front for Antifa and so forth. Evangelicals may find solace in QAnon because they see it as a logical extension of the culture war started by such organizations as Jerry Falwell Sr.'s Moral Majority in 1979. Huckabee, of that Relevant Magazine article I talked about earlier, notes that it provides, quote, a real plot and vocabulary to the us-versus-them model that became popular with the rise of the moral majority. QAnon codifies the mistrust of science, big government, and celebrities into a real, if slippery, system, end quote. The reality is that since the outbreak of COVID-19 and subsequent nationwide lockdowns beginning around March 2020, there has been an explosion of evangelical church members spreading QAnon to other congregants via a social media platform. This phenomenon, as I mentioned before, is similar to the spread of the satanic panic of the 1980s that swept through evangelicalism in America. Among some of its more bizarre and unfounded beliefs of the satanic panic was the absurd idea that babies and children were being ritually abused in satanic covens located in daycare centers nationwide. QAnon's rise and growing popularity among evangelicals feels eerily similar today. It's like Satanic Panic 2.0. Back then, credulous evangelicals not only bought into the Satanic Panic, they spread it far and wide through available media sources. A great many televangelists and Christian speakers also profited by spreading the scare Guys like Mike Warnke and others spoke nationwide on the dangers of Satanism in churches, on Christian media, and in Christian schools. As an example of the spread of QAnon in evangelical churches, recently a certain Pastor Fraley, minister of a church in Oklahoma, started noticing the spread of QAnon conspiracy theories among his congregants during the COVID-19 lockdown. Like the virus, this belief had also spread quickly. Abby Olheiser of Technology Review notes, quote, Like thousands of other church leaders across the United States, Fraley had shut down in-person services in March to help prevent the spread of the virus. Without these gatherings, some of his churchgoers had turned instead to Facebook, podcasts, and viral memes for guidance. And QAnon, a movement with its own equivalents of scripture, prophecies, and clergy, was there waiting for them, end quote. But beyond the teleological thinking and the deep trust of government overreach systemic to evangelicalism for decades now, what exactly is the appeal of QAnon to evangelicals? As noted earlier, Q's drops, or breadcrumbs, function like scriptural prophetic messages, divine revelation dispensed from above, containing cryptic clues that believers need to study and parse in order to figure out their true meaning. 
Thus, Q drops function like Lipton's sacred science category because, of course, Q knows everything about what's really going on. Thus, it appeals to adherents because they feel part of the in-group orientation on the inside line. Therefore, it would seem that the lines are becoming increasingly blurred between Q-drops and scripture for a great many evangelicals. Mark Andre Argentino, in an article on the Conversation website, comments on this interpretative phenomenon that is spreading largely among neo-charismatic churches. He says, quote, What I've witnessed is an existing model of neo-charismatic home churches. The neo-charismatic movement is an offshoot of evangelical Protestant Christianity and is made up of thousands of independent organizations, where QAnon conspiracy theories are reinterpreted through the Bible. In turn, QAnon conspiracy theories serve as a lens to interpret the Bible itself, end quote. But what if they are confronted with the many predictions made by Q that failed to come to pass? Facts and logic are meaningless, dismissed as fake news spread by the lying, lamestream media. They are impervious to reason like any classic cult member. Any sense of cognitive dissonance will be banished or suppressed by studying harder and doubling down. In many ways, then, for the diehard QAnon cultist, there's no getting through to them. Olheiser comments on this connection that, quote, QAnon followers will often repeat a commandment that they learned from Q, then in the presence of doubt, you should do your own research. And that impulse will feel especially familiar to evangelicals, says William Parton, a research analyst at Data and Society's Disinformation Action Lab, who has been studying QAnon. Uh, according to Parton, he says, the kind of literacy that's implied here, close reading and discussion of texts that are accepted as authoritative, has quite a bit in common with how evangelicals learn to read and interpret the Bible, he says, end quote. The major problem with QAnon generally is this, and we'll let Adrian LaFrance of the Atlantic have the last word. She says, quote, It is a movement united in mass rejection of reason, objectivity, and other enlightenment values, and we are likely closer to the beginning of its story than the end. The group harnesses paranoia to fervent hope and a deep sense of belonging. The way it breathes life into an ancient preoccupation with end times is also radically new. To look at QAnon is to see not just a conspiracy theory, but the birth of a new religion, end quote. All right, I think we'll leave it there. We've taken a very deep dive, and actually there's a lot more material that I didn't get to, but this episode was already getting to be too long. I hope you've enjoyed and learned from my exploration of the cult psychology of QAnon, as we saw with the Capitol riots and all the connections with people that were at those riots with QAnon, as well as over the months and months and years of Trump rallies, we're seeing now that this is going beyond mere ideology and turning into action and violence. And my concern is that when we get into the inauguration day and maybe beyond, that this thing is not going to go away. We're going to see increasing violence. And who knows where this is going to lead us. But for now, I would say that QAnon is definitely a cult. It's a new religion, as LaFrance said, something to be mindful of, to be educated about, and to keep a close eye on it. And I'm thinking, too, that if you have friends, family members, close loved ones, relatives, co-workers who have been sucked into the cult of QAnon, that this episode, as we've taken a look at the cult psychology of the movement, has helped to educate you and maybe give you some talking points, something you can actually maybe bring them back around. I don't know. This is very difficult. You're dealing with an indoctrinated 
cultist here, this is a very difficult thing. So let me know what your thoughts, comments, questions are about this episode or any other one that I've done recently on the Capitol riots or any of the other episodes that have come out on the MindShift podcast. You can find me on Twitter at MindShift2018. You can also look me up on the MindShift podcast Facebook page. And as I mentioned, I'm going to be putting up the video that we did, the Zoom call with Jared Yates Sexton at some point during this week. So you can jump over there and take a look at that. And I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks for joining me. I've been your host, Dr. Clint Haycock. I will see you in a couple of weeks with the episode with me and Janine Puckett. Take care and stay safe.